following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. As we come this morning, I'm reminded of a mentor of mine who was helping me in public speaking. And he said, Bill, there are five B's of public speaking. Be brief, baby, be brief. So... We're going to work on those which aren't normal gifts of mine. (laughs) But this morning, just to come together and to be reminded uh, of God's goodness to us, to be reminded from this great and very familiar passage of Scripture, and to compare for a moment that first Christmas to today, the Christmas that we experience this morning. You see, the Christmas story, at least in the first Christmas, was a scandalous story. It begins there, and it says the decree went out that all the world should be registered, at least the Roman world. And so Mary and Joseph, what would have been normal tradition, were heading to Joseph's home, at least lineage home, of King David, for he was of the line and of the lineage of David the king. But there was something different about this story. They were going as an unwed couple who were expecting a child. And Joseph would have had to be honest with those around him if asked or pressed and said, it's not my child. You can imagine the scandalous nature of that. In our day and age, it's lost a little bit of that scandal, but still people question and look sideways oftentimes at unwed pregnancies, question and look a bit sideways at things that are a little bit out of the normal kilter. But in this day and age, it was an offense that could possibly have been ended in the death of Mary, for she would have been accused of infidelity. She would have been accused of being a woman that didn't need to continue on And yet this was the story within which God came into the world. And so they were traveling and they were going. And you can imagine that at best those who encountered Mary and Joseph along the way would have been ambivalent. At best. At worst they would have been repulsed. The quiet whispers and the double looks and the words spoken about them. And that the Savior of the world, the promised one, was coming into the world. This one who was going to save us from our sins was coming into the world. And no one noticed. No one noticed what was happening around them. No one could have ever dreamed up the plan that God had put into place. That he had established before the foundations of the world that life was going on as it always had without a thought to the eternal. There was no room in the end for Christ. There was no room for him and for Mary and Joseph, and they were relegated to a stable. That the king of the universe was relegated uh, to birth within a manger stall there among the simple That all of this was taking place. And the amazing thing is no one noticed. No one knew what was happening right there in their backyard. But the incredible thing about 
this first Christmas is God wasn't willing to allow people not to notice. God wasn't willing to allow uh, the most important event in all of history to go unnoticed. And so he sent heralds into the world. He sent the angelic host into the world uh, to peel back heaven for a moment, if it were, and to speak on that hillside to an interesting group of individuals, a marginalized, simple group of shepherds, those who had no particular major status within uh, the world in the grand scheme of things. But God said, here's the plan. I'm going to come and I'm going to make you take notice of Christ. Because on your own, you never would. On your own, you would continue to go about life and never notice that the Savior came near to save you. You would never realize what was taking place, what was transpiring right around you. And so God, in His incredible mercy, God, in His incredible love, made sure that they noticed And the angels came and they spoke to the shepherds and they said, this is what's taking place in Bethlehem. And the shepherds went. And interestingly, I love the language that's used, they made haste. When they recognized what was taking place, when their hearts were open to see the truth and the reality of the birth of the Savior, it says that they made haste, language that we don't use today, but it's language that says they dropped everything and went. They were missional. They were on a mission. They were pointed. They were focused, and they didn't stop until they got there. They went, and they came, and it says that when they found the Christ child, They worshipped him. When they found the Christ child, they came and there was a sense within them of deep and total satisfaction. Like all of a sudden, life made sense. That they had come and encountered Christ and they'd seen reality maybe for the very first time. And they told Mary and Joseph of the things that had transpired that night. They gave testimony to the miraculous work of God, that he had come to them, a marginalized, simple people who were there and in the grand scheme of history had no part to play, yet they were the first recipients of the gospel message. And then after they'd encountered Christ, they went out and they left there. And it says that they were glorifying God and praising him for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They couldn't help themselves. They'd come into the presence of the king. They had seen, as it were, a sense of going, this is it. This is the true meaning of life. And to take John's language, which they wouldn't have had, the the logos, the meaning of life, this is it. Now I understand. Now all of a sudden my life has significance. Now all of a sudden my marginalized existence on the side of a hillside, chasing after stupid sheep uh, all the time, being looked down upon by society. Now all of this, now all of a sudden I have significance and meaning because I've come into the presence of the true king. And they went out and they couldn't help but tell other people about it. And they couldn't help but look upwards to God and say, praise be to you. All glory and honor be to our God. And they worship. I wonder, I would love, you know, there's certain events that you want to be a part of on that first Christmas. Maybe you have a picture of you would love to be in the manger. Maybe you want to be there uh, later when the Magi come from the east bearing uh, gifts. I've always wanted to be on the road walking back to the hill 
with the shepherds. I wanted to hear their praising. I wanted to hear what it was like for them to go, these gruff people going back and saying, this is awesome. This is worship. This is God. It gave weightiness to who they were. That's what I wanted to see. I would love to have been there for that reaction and response to this event that took place. They were different men because of the amazing work of God in their lives. Well, that was the story 2,000 years ago. And as I was thinking about what to say today, it dawned on me, nothing much has changed. It's still a scandalous story today that the God of the universe would somehow condescend himself and take on human form, dirty, broken human form, that he would come and leave the eccentricities of heaven itself and come and take up residence down here with us, and that he would make known his message, not necessarily to the greatest of society, but to continue to work and to dwell among those who are marginalized, those who are, generally speaking, insignificant in the grand scheme of everything. The last time I checked, we, we have some marvelous people in the church. Many of you have done incredible things within your spheres of influence and within your places of work. But the last time I checked, none of you created anything out of nothing. None of you spoke into nothingness and everything that is has come into being. None of us have spoken into a dead heart and brought it alive. None of us has created a child None of us have done those things, those massive, unbelievable, huge things. So in the grand scheme of all of history, we're rather insignificant. Yet God, in the midst of this scandalous tale, said this, I'm going to come and I'm going to tell you a great story. I'm going to come and present to you a child, a Savior, who is the King of the Jews. You see, this gospel is presented to us today, and generally speaking, it goes unnoticed. It goes unnoticed in our world. It's not heralded this time uh, by angels on hilltops, but it's heralded by the faithful preaching of God's Word in pulpits all around the world. It's heralded within the faithful lives of Christians each day, as you live out your lives and our brothers and sisters live out their lives in front of a watching world. It's displayed in the glorious works of creation as we gain upon the majestic excellence of our Creator. The King of the universe, the Lord of lords, the Creator God, the Savior is presented to us today. It's presented within the world today and the response is generally the same. We don't have any room. In the busyness, in the mess, in the overcrowded ends of our hearts and our lives, we don't have room. We don't take notice of what's taking place. And in similar way, it takes divine intervention by God to bring us alive and to notice what takes place. See, the beauty of the gospel is this. It still takes the intervention of God, not by angels, but by his Holy Spirit, to speak into our hearts, to awaken us from our, our spiritual death, our lostness, and to come and then to seek the Savior. Friends, hear this today. 
If you haven't responded to Christ, be like the shepherds today. Make haste. God is heralding and speaking this morning and saying to you, I'm real, I'm alive, the king is here, the king is offering you life. Don't procrastinate another day, don't wait another moment with haste. Be like the kids this morning as they walked out of their rooms, knowing that there might be something in the den or living room for them. They were an awful lot like the shepherds, weren't they? They wandered around and went, well, you know, I might get around to it. You know, I'm sure it's a good gift, but I've got some other things to take care of today. I've got school to go to. I've got life to attend to. I've got relationships to be involved in. I'll I'll get to those. Of course not. The thunder of feet coming down the stairs and turning the corner of children awakening upstairs and trying not to awaken their brothers and sisters, but going in and going, would you hurry up, get up, we got stuff to do downstairs. You got to go of waiting anxiously at whatever spot has been determined within the house, of that's where you wait because everybody comes in together and they made haste. My encouragement to you today is make haste to come and find the Savior. Pursue Him as the greatest gift that has ever been presented in the world. And here's a promise. Once you have found Him, you will be forever Changed. It's impossible to come into a true relationship with Christ and not be affected. Like the shepherds of old, you'll go away filled with awe and with splendor. You will tell others of the amazing work of God in your heart. The amazing work that you were relegated to a marginalized life in the grand scheme of things, but the God of the universe found you so significant that he came and spoke into your dead heart that didn't want him and made it alive so that you would turn to him and that you would choose him and that you would follow him and you would pursue him. That's how awesome this God is, that he still loves to pursue and to save people. And that now your life is filled with glory and majesty. That word glory, what a pregnant word. Your life is filled with weightiness and significance. Isn't that awesome to think that your life, because of the pursuit of God and the turning and changing of your heart, all of a sudden your life has eternal significance. You can change the world and you already have if you're a follower of Christ. I look here and I see generations sitting out here. And I know that it's because of a heart that's filled with glory that couldn't help but tell your children about the beauty of a Savior, about raising your children in the love and the admonition of the Lord, of seeing it passed on to generations and generations and realize your little life in the grand scheme of things now has populated heaven forever. Isn't that awesome? God has said your life is fantastic. And it's glorious and it's majestic. And you find yourself spontaneously giving praise. You go out into the world and you can't view the world to the same anymore. You find yourself going out into creation. And before it was just a beautiful sunset. Before it was just an incredible moonrise or a sunrise. Before it was just an incredible picture of the dolphins jumping in the waves. Or of seeing the birth of a child. Or seeing creation all around you. But now because you've been changed and your eyes have been changed. You look upwards and you give praise to God. And you worship him in the midst. Everything is different as if you've gained eyes for the very first time and sight 
for the very first time. Your ears have been opened to listen and to hear, and you listen to stories of lives now differently than you ever did before, that you're drawn into the story of another person with deep compassion, believing that if God was so generous and gracious to you, he has the same power and generosity and grace to enter into another heart and to change it forever. And you weep more and you laugh more. That you come with all the fullness because you hear differently, you feel differently, you see differently. Your heart is changed and you find in yourself a desire to bring glory to the name of the one who pursued you. That you look within your studies as a student and you ask the question, am I glorifying God in my studies? You go into your work and you say, am I bringing glory to God in my work? Am I bringing glory to God in the pursuits of, of enjoyment and recreation within the world? That our lives, we want to bring glory to Him. You see, it really is a scandalous story. That the Lord of the universe, that the King of kings, so desired a relationship with you that He had to condescend Himself from the beauty and the majesty and the splendor and the perfection of heaven to come and to dwell among us. The perfect one desires to have an intimate relationship with you in the midst of your imperfection. How scandalous a story it is. And he knows this, that the only way that that can happen is for one of you to be changed. Either he had to become like us in our humanity, or we had to become perfect like him. And it's amazing and it's astounding that in actuality both happened. That we gained both. He became like us and we dwelt, uh, that he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We saw him, that he became a man so that we could become perfect in him. It says now that you are a friend of God, a child of the king, an heir of the kingdom. Christ is your older brother and your home is with God in paradise in eternity for all times. What a gift that he gives this morning on this Lord's Day to us that we celebrate. There is so much to celebrate today. And my hope for you is this, that your celebration is eternal in its nature and that it's not fleeting and passing like the lights on a tree or the decimated remains of gifts that are ripped apart and strewn about the room, only to be cleaned up and eventually thrown away. But celebrate today that God came near to you, that God didn't allow you to stay in your lostness, but he spoke to your heart and brought your heart alive Someone asks, or they get regularly asked, Bill, do we choose God or does God choose us? And the answer is yes. God changes your heart so that you will choose Him. God changes the chooser so that we will choose Him. That your heart is brought alive and that you say, yes, I'm going to pursue this Christ and I will accept Him. And it is both working simultaneously and perfectly together to come and to experience this. And friends, know this, that when you come near to this Savior, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Your life will be filled with glory and significance and meaning. And you will worship and praise this God. And then, 
you'll go tell about him to anyone and everyone. If you're unwilling to tell the story of what has transpired in your life, it begs the question if anything significant has really happened. You don't hide the fact that you wear a ring when you get married. You wear it proudly and you let people know, I'm identified differently because of vows that I make. And when you come into a marital relationship with the king of the universe and you're now in with him, it says this, I'm redefined and I tell everybody about this one. I'm different and I'm changed. And to turn the words of a hymn that we're about to sing, you go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. You go tell it on a mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you still pursue people. People that don't notice what's going on. That we're ambivalent to the truth of who you are. That our hearts are callous and cold. That we're so busy in the midst of our lives that there's no room for you. We've filled our days so much. We've filled our lives so, so thoroughly that there's no room for you, no thought of you. I pray today that that wouldn't be the case for all of us who are here, but that you would change us, you would transform us, you would speak to our hearts, and they would be emptied of everything else, and that the king of the universe would take up residence there, and then we would find in everything that we have, we would find true joy and true significance and meaning, true hope and life and all in him and that we would go tell others about this good news, and we would make haste. We would make haste to find a Savior and make haste to tell others of Him. Father, I pray for those who are here today that it is a joyous time to celebrate the good tidings, to celebrate the good news of the gospel. But yet it's also a time for some of sorrow and of loss of missing loved ones. And I pray for your great comfort to be near to them. Father, for others, being around family brings up so many things of pain in the past and of hurts. And I pray that you would be their peace and encouragement and that they would, even in the midst of a difficult situation, be able to shine the light of Christ in the midst of it. And Father, I pray that we as a church would continue to serve the needs of those who are around us, continue to tell of the majesty and the glory of our King in the way that we live, in the way that we worship, in the way that we go out and serve, in the way that we are, because we came in response to your intervention and we found Christ. And at the end of the day, when we think about it a little more, we realize and are humbled even to our knees that what really happened was you found us we are so thankful for that. To Christ be all the glory. Amen. I'm going to invite you now to sing well. Get a little louder. Try to clap. Uh, follow the group a little bit on that. And let's celebrate the fact and go tell it on the mountain. Let's stand together.